the third thing you can add to uh, another mistake people make is they use their uh, scrape, you know, like, you know, we like to use Scrape King, you know, but it, they, yeah. they they put it out like they're spraying holy water and trying to expel a demon on that tree. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was, I, I was with somebody hunting. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, well, if a little's good, a lot's got to be better. And man, he's just <laughs> flinging it around. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I, I tried to explain it to him. I was like, no, you, you one little spot. Yep. And just pour that. Oh, just pour it in one spot. Just let it run right in that one spot. And if you got like the you know the wick cans and that that you know Texas Raised Hunting Products uses, you can just put that can right there. Camel boots on my feet, bow in my hand, walking in the early dawn. Wi-Fi technology presents. Welcome to American Roots Outdoors, your host, Alex Rutledge, calling from my home studio, and Mr. Redbone and Wayne Walker in the studio there at Thayer, Missouri. And guys, we have got another great show lined up. The full moon's still in effect here, and the deer are on their feet. Uh, the bucks are checking does. Some bucks are pushing does. It's crazy right now. It is, and everywhere you go, you see deer. I mean, if you drive down the road, I don't care if you go a mile, or I don't care if you go 10 miles, or if you go 110 miles, you're going to see deer by the side of the road, especially uh, just after just after daylight and just before dark. I mean, it's, if it doesn't get your blood pumping this time of the year to get on the deer hunt, then I'll, there's something wrong with you. Hey, just on the way in here on uh, Route M, I was coming in, and there was two bucks standing out there with one doe. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just eyeing each other up. I'm like, oh, boy. Yeah, you know what's going on. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, guys, here it is. It's pre-rut. We're right in the probably the middle part of the pre-rut phase. And when we talk about uh, bucks, we're talking about the phases they go through, which is preparation, pre-rut, peak breeding, and post-breeding. And what I want to talk about in the show today is outsmarting mature bucks. And what a great subject. And what I want to do is share with everybody the techniques that I use to outsmart them. That's very good. So you're going to give up your secrets. Well, I've shared it with people a lot in several years, but I'm excited about this WiseEye technology, the WiseEye Smart Cam and the Hunt Control. It's, it's, it's making hunting easier and more predictable when I need to be in the tree stands. That's one of the things that I want to talk about throughout this segment of outsmarting the true bucks. Yeah, Alex- I'm just going to start off with, first of all, you got to know you got big bucks in your area, okay? So when the big bucks are in your area, that's when you use the uh, technology of cameras. And with WiseEye, and we talked about it two weeks ago on an earlier show with the owners, Mr. Monk, is that, this thing will do all the scouting for you, and you never have to walk into the area that you're hunting. It sends it right to your laptop, your smartphone, your iPad, etc. Yeah, these wide eye cameras, these are amazing. You know, Alex, after the show aired last week, uh, I was at uh, the big box store here in town and um, uh, saw a friend of mine, and he said, Hey, I heard the show this morning. Tell me some more about these wide eye cameras. And before I got done, I had a crowd of about 12 or 15 guys standing around. <laughs> because awesome. they, are, they are interested in these cameras and uh, and everybody I've talked to them about them, they're just talking about how amazing it is. But and and the big thing is, if folks didn't hear the show last week, and you just said it, this camera will take care of all the scouting for you, sending you pictures, sending you time, wind speeds, 
I mean, everything that you need to know about when that deer is coming by the camera, and it, it really is just amazing. Hey, Alex, I'm surprised Mike uh, noticed the 10 or 12 people around him because he usually has about 10 people and uh, the paparazzi following him around all the time. So. <laughs> Oh, Redbone's got a popular name here in the Ozark. That's right. He does. Yeah. Yeah, but let's get back to so, talking about deer. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Redbone, Wayne, the, the first part, again, reiterating, you got to have big bucks. And you're going to find them. There's many ways to find them. One's a trail camera. The other way is scouting, uh, driving the roads, uh, walking. Uh, if you're hunting open terrain, whatever, uh, go to the food plots, the fields, and blast them long distance using good optics like Ride-On Optics. And Ride-On has uh, been a, a product sponsor in the past and, uh, and a pain sponsor, and that's what I use. So that's another way to find big deer. And another way to find big deer, and I can reflect back to many years ago, back in the late 70s, and you may remember this red bone and Wayne, you could buy it at Walmart. It was a little watch in a plastic container, and you could open the lid you tie a string from one limb to this, and when a deer walked through the trail, it would trip that string and stop the watch on that box to tell you the exact time the deer was going through it. So that's another way. It's amazing how far technology has come from the 70s to now, <laughs> taking pictures, etc. Yeah, it really is. And another way that you can uh, you can find big bucks is, is just talk to the cattle ranchers out there that are out there in the fields every day working their cattle. That and utility workers. That's another one. We used to do that all the time, stop utility workers and say, hey, you know, road construction guys, you know, what have you guys seen in that? Because they didn't care. they tell you it wasn't their property. <laughs> yeah. Mailman, school bus driver, right. uh, locals that live in an area, you can talk to them and ask them whether that's another way to find big deer. And another one well, of the greatest way to find big deer is food plotting and uh, creating the right habitat on your properties. And that's where I touch on this, and I always do. Uh, I have worked with the MDC for several years now and got involved in their programs. And they helped me with TSI, which is timber management, and uh, the management of uh, burning off some of the the, uh, the winter leaves, et cetera. And what that does, it opens the canopies up, opens up the forest floors where vegetation can come up, et cetera. And when you do all this, it makes scouting easier for you when you're creating the right habitat with the right water source, uh, the right bedding. When you've got everything that a whitetail needs, they will come to your property and stay there, especially if you do not molest them. And that's why I think some of my properties that I hunt is that I do not molest them. I do not go inside there uh, shooting and banging and bothering them. And they get accustomed to a vehicle or a golf cart or et cetera. Yeah, and I think that's the major thing is you got to get deer that that you don't bother, and uh, you know that's why you know I and I think most people are this way. You know, I like to scout you know a couple of weeks ahead of time, and then don't go back in you know, until opening day of rifle season or you know before I want to go hunt. Just just stay out of there for a while and let them get get back to being normal, and then go back in. And and try and do it in a routine. Like if you are going to scout your area. You know, do it at the same time. Try to do it at the same time every day. Go in at the same time to, you know, check your cameras and that. Try not to get out of your golf cart or your truck if you can check, if you can do that so you're not leaving any scent around. But if you do it at the same time every day, like Alex always says, they kind of get used to it. They're, they're able, you're able to pattern you, which is fine because you're not hunting them right now. Exactly. I'm glad you touched on that, Wayne. And, uh, you can actually program 
the animals on your property uh, just like you can cattle. And if you got, if you went into a field, I'm going to use an example, a field with cattle in it, and you started chasing them with your truck and stuff, they would be scared. They would not want to be close to that truck. Right. So it's kind of like if you go into your property with your vehicle and you're shooting and banging when you shouldn't be, uh, then it just ruins that property. So I encourage all of you that are listening across the world, if you're wanting a great habitat and a great sanctuary of whitetail, you've got to either program them and not bother them or glass and watch them from a great distance. And that being said, I have helped people set up farms. It blows my mind, and I, I don't mean to be negative. I'm just telling you the truth. They want to plant food plots. Then the next thing you hear, they say, oh, well, we killed a couple of does. Well, that's your right to kill those does. But if you really want your property really good, go kill the does somewhere else or wait till after the rut to kill the does. Yeah, I would agree. And another thing with all this and taking all this into consideration, uh, you know, if you're like me and you don't have your own place and you, and you depend on other people letting you go in and hunt, uh, I just happened to think of this, Alex. I'm going to ask the uh, farmer on the farm where I hunt if I can just drive the tractor he uses to feed hay into my stand. Well, he could take you and drop you out, couldn't he, Wayne? That's right. Yeah, that would be a good idea. Yep. If you can catch him and just have him drive you around, drop you off, then they're, they're so used to that tractor or, or even the uh, farm truck yeah. because he's yeah. out there dropping hay and that off. I mean, but, you know, the guys that I know, they'd never come back and pick me up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to say this before we go to a break. Uh, think about this. How many of you have been driving close to a city or a town and you see deer never raise their heads up, and you drive by them in a field. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yep. Those deer got programmed. They're used to those vehicles going by, and nobody bothered them. Yep. You can do the same thing on your property, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. We're going to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about outsmarting big whitetails. Don't go away. We'll be back with more American Roots Outdoors right after this. Hi, I'm Preston Pittman, and you're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and his friends. Wishing on some love I've been on a big board For a while I could load him in the back of my truck We can take it to a holler Wise-Eye Technologies presents Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors. Alex Rutledge, your host. And we've been talking about outsmarting big bucks. You know, Alex, one of the things that you were talking about is, A, you got to have big bucks on your property for you to be able to outsmart a big buck. And one thing I know that we have not covered at all this year yet is how to hold some uh, deer on your property. And let's say you got, like your property, you have mature woods. One of the things that people can do is hedge cutting. And, you know, what's your thoughts on that? Because I found in Ohio that was one of the greatest assets I did when I finally got a farm that had, but it was nothing but mature uh uh, trees in there there was no br- underbrush to hold these deer so i did a bunch of hedge cutting with farmer's permission and I, all of a sudden we were holding does and we were holding bucks and we did the center food plot uh you know those uh, with the uh, smorgasbord and that put it in the center there and next thing you know after two years we were holding deer that we had not been had the ability to hold before well that goes right back to what i said earlier in uh, preparing the right habitat and the right piece of property what I do on my property is we select cut the timber uh, every year or every two years, whatever, and we leave those tops. 
and those tops create uh, cover for them to bed under, etc. But also the stumps. What happens is new growth starts uh, comes up from the new growth, and that creates thicker cover. So that's some of the things that I do to create the thicker cover for them to bed there. And if you've got a slash, a slash area, you talk hedge cutting, a slash area is where you go in and you take out all your mature timber and leave the very small timber there. Then within a year or two, it grows up into thick, young undergrowth. Right, and that's kind of like what I got going on with my property. You know, they clear-cut it a few years ago, and now it's nothing but briars and that thick under cover stuff and i mean it's really holding them i mean the bucks the does it holds them in there that's like where they like to bed and hide and then of course they wake up and get a little sip of water and then head on over to alex's for all that <laughs> all those lush green uh, food plots he's got on there and <laughs> but anyway uh that's the secret on your own property or hunting properties you hunt so what i want to talk about now now that we've found uh, mature buck or mature bucks that we want to hunt. Uh, the next thing I do, again, paying attention to my wise eye camera that I got here a week and a half, two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, uh, it tells a story for me. So what I do here is you can set, I like to target my cameras in these specific areas. One is an area that has food source that they're coming to. Two, trails leading into the food source. These are targeted areas where you can set your cameras. Number three, scrapes, active scrapes. Let's talk about active scrapes. An active scrape is a scrape that deer are visiting frequently. Mm-hmm. There's different types of scrapes out there. Okay, The first scrapes that you usually see in the first part of the pre-rut is what I call uh, premature scrapes, uh, cocky scrapes, uh, those scrapes are not really that predictable because a deer will make a scrape for some reason. He will paw the ground if another buck's there and he's challenging that other buck, just letting him see some aggression. They will also make a scrape and urinate in it to leave his uh, identification to other deer that's in the area. Then you have what we call community scrape. A community scrape is usually large, and a lot of different deer will be using that scrape. If you can find the community scrapes, uh, you're in a very good spot. You know, that was the first thing that I learned about deer hunting when I started. Uh, it was my uncle that, that was teaching me, and, and he said, the first thing you want to do is you want to find the scrape. If you can find a scrape line, that's even better. And then you want to set up, you know, 100 yards away from that scrape and just watch it. You just sit where you can see it and just watch it because eventually – the deer is going to come there. Yeah, and, and speaking of scrapes, and Alex just touched base on the community scrape, that actually, I, I think I had to be about maybe 16 years old. I called my grandma up, and I said, Grandma, I, I said, I found, I think, the biggest buck around. And she's like, why? What makes you say that? I said, because the scrape had to be the size of a, the hood of your car. <laughs> and she goes, she goes, no. She goes, unfortunately, that's probably about 10 different bucks visiting that. <laughs> yeah. But I thought I found yeah. a giant deer, you know, based on the size of the scrape, and it has nothing to do with that. It's all a, the size tells you how many are visiting it. Yeah, to some of our listeners that doesn't under scrape, understand scrape and the the philosophy behind it, the biology behind it, uh, that's what we're touching on right now. So you hear a lot of people say, man, I have never killed a deer on the scrape, and I set up on these scrapes, and I can't never see them. 
Well, the reason they're probably not killing the deer or seeing the deer on the scrapes is, one, they're not being sent free. Two is they're not hunting the right wind. Mm-hmm. And if you're sent free and using good products like we use, scent guarding, and I'm telling you, I'm not being a hard sell here, but scent guarding is a mind blower. We just recently shot a buck at 20 yards during the Missouri Youth Hunt with my great nephew, Carter Pruitt. I rattled in three different bucks the last evening of the youth hunt and made a mock scrape that morning and that evening when I rattled. Three different bucks come in. A young two-and-a-half-year-old is working a scrape at 20 yards in front of us, and a big mature buck comes in from the right, uh, staring down the younger buck and lip-curling to the scrape that I made, hmm. and we shot him at 20, 25 yards. Right. And the third thing you can add to uh, another mistake people make is they use their uh, scrape, you know, like, you know, we like to use Scrape King, you know, but it, they, yeah. they they put it out like they're spraying holy water and trying to expel a demon on that tree. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I've, I, I was with somebody hunting. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, well, if a little's good, a lot's got to be better. And man, he's just <laughs> flinging it around. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I, I tried to explain to him. I was like, no, you, you one little spot. Yeah. And just pour that. Oh, just do. pour it in one yeah. spot. Just let it run right in that one spot. And if you got like the you know the wick cans and that that you know Texas Raised Hunting Products uses, mm-hmm. you can just put that can right there, and and bury it in there, and they're going to keep coming back. But don't don't try to to expel a demon off of the scrape. You hit just one spot, drop it in there, and you're good to go. Yeah, I think exactly. I think people forget how good a nose deer have, right? You know, or don't know. And uh, you know, the perfect example is, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know how beagles have a great nose. And, and my uncle one time told me because I asked him about some different things, and he said, "Here's what I know." He said, "I used to run beagles, and we'd run rabbits, and I'd get a beagle sprayed in the right in the face by a skunk." He said, "And that beagle through that skunk smell could still smell rabbits and run rabbits, hmm. and a deer's nose is a hundred times, if not more, better." than a beagle's nose. So There's something to think about. I may interject with you, and, and a great point, Redbone. The more lure you lay down, the stronger the scent. If the deer smells that, and he doesn't have to come as close to check it. Exactly. Think right. about it. Yep. Less can be better. Absolutely. More can hurt you. Yeah, because the whole reason for using it is to get him into eyesight. Now think about it. When a doe urinates, there's a secret. That's when to use a little more urine to make a deer come a little closer, especially if it's got the pheromones in it, you know, like the inflamed doe with Texas Raised Hunting Products. And that's something else that we were doing throughout the day. Carter would take a mist, just squirt, mm-hmm. one or two squirts every hour. And the wind was blowing from our backs directly to the buck that he shot. We set up intentionally with the wind blowing in the direction we knew the deer would come from, using scent guarding and using the Texas Raised Hunting products. Wow. All right, we're going to continue with this discussion and uh, talking deer hunting and uh, attracting mature bucks. And we'll uh, be back with more American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge right after this. This is Brenda Valentine, and you're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. Wise-Eye Technologies presents, welcome back to American Roots Outdoor, our third segment of the show. And we've been touching on subject matter to help our listeners understand scrape hunting, scouting, finding mature bucks, 
and how to close the deal. You know, we touched on the last segment of why people are not being successful hunting over scrapes. Wayne, what is some of your thoughts, uh, Redbone, of why people are not successful that you could share with our viewer listeners? Well, I think uh, one of the things right off the bat that comes to my mind is people aren't using the the, uh, the terrain to their advantage. And this is where I always stress, take the time, get a topographical map, mark where those scrapes are on that topographical maps, and then use the terrain to your advantage. So, A, you're in the right wind direction at the right time of day. Don't forget your thermals that can affect you. And also to the sun. You know, don't walk into the sun so you're lit up. Try to have the sun behind you as you're walking in so you're more, you know, you're shadowed in. But, um, I mean, topographical maps are just such an underutilized feature that you talk to a lot of hunters and they're like, ah, I don't need that. But then they, you know, you wonder why they're not shooting, you know, big bucks every year or at least even seeing them because they're blowing them out of there before they even get to their stand. Yeah, I just have one thing to, to add to that, Wayne, and, and, and you kind of touched on it. And, uh, Alex, you've heard me say this before, and that is uh, somebody taught me, an old-timer, many, many, many years ago, that if, you're, if your eyes aren't watering when you're standing and looking or when you're walking in, you're going the wrong way or you're looking the wrong way. And that goes back to wind. Right. You know, you've got to keep that wind in your face. Now, with the technology – uh, with the Texas Rays hunting products and their scent guardian. Mm-hmm. I mean, that doesn't become as much of an issue. But, you know, when you're talking about these big uh, five-and-a-half, six-and-a-half-year-old deer, these things are smart. There's a reason that they're getting that big and getting that old. And you've got to take every precaution that you can if you want to get in and you want to get a chance at harvesting that deer. So, you know, that's what I'm going to add to that conversation there. If your eyes aren't watering, you're going the wrong way. And here's another trick that people can do that I, I – I had somebody actually make fun of me when they when I was doing it because we went in pre-scouting, uh, hanging some stands, but I took a, a leaf rake with me. And he's like, "What are you, you know, what are you doing?" I said, "I'm clearing my path." He's like, "But you he goes, the leaves are falling. There's going to be leaves." I said, "Yeah, there may be leaves, but there ain't going to be twigs that I can't see." Right. Because uh, crunching leaves, hey, squirrels. I mean, how many people have heard that 150-pound squirrel coming up and oh, you yeah. think it's a deer? But you crack a twig, game over. But if you can clear, yeah. clear yourself a, a three-foot path going right to your stand, keep the twigs out of it. Leaves, who cares? But twigs, that will ruin your day in a heartbeat. Great tips, everybody. Great tips to touch on there. Yeah, if they hear abnormal noises, especially like a limb popping, they know that's very abnormal. Mm-hmm. So, And I want to reflect back, too, to what you said about the wind being in your face. Uh, your eyes watering, that is great to touch on. Even though you're scent free, uh, and I don't want to sound contradictive because we was the opposite on the hunt we done Sunday. Mm-hmm. So we wasn't worried about being uh, winded because, number one, we took every precaution to be scent free. We took our clothes and sprayed them inside out, washed the clothes, uh, caps, hands, gloves, boots, everything when we walked in. As soon as we got off the golf cart, we sprayed the bottom of our boots and everything. Now, I'm going to paint a picture for all the listeners. Let's say you're not scent free, and a deer can smell 10, 20 times greater than a human. So if a deer can smell 10, 20 times greater than a human, and let's say everything that you touch, walk, everywhere you go, your body's wet with dripping white paint, and the deer can smell what you can see, you grabbed a limb to move out of your way. You brushed a limb. 
that's what that deer would smell is what you would be seeing walking to and from your stand. Mm-hmm. Right. Think about it. Yep. Yeah. So and, and all we'll read, repeat that wind in your face. Yeah. It's crucial to be scent free. Pay attention to all the details. I use a, a scent free deodorant. Uh, I put it under my watch band. Your watch band is one of the most uh, odor making uh, items that you can wear on your body. Mm-hmm. Your hair is a huge odor collector as well. So mm-hmm. being scent free is crucial, and scent guarding is the answer to that. So now we've talked about all these things. What I want to talk about uh, throughout the rest of the show here is closing the deal on a big buck. Once we found the big buck, we're set free. We've set up on this big buck. How's the right way to close the deal? And share your thoughts, Redbone. Well, you know, we just, yeah, we just we just got uh, you know just a little bit of time left here in this segment, uh, but uh, you know, my thought is is once you get there and you've done everything that we've talked about, uh, the other thing to remember is you just got to be still. I mean, if you're hunting a tree stand or if you're hunting, and, and I'm too old to climb up in a tree and I don't like to use blinds, I, I sit in front of a tree. You've just got to be still because nothing gives you away like movement. And, uh, and that's kind of old school hunting, I guess, with, with things the way things are today. But just sitting sitting absolutely perfectly still. I, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And one of, for me, one of the things I have to get in a habit of, and I got in a bad habit, and I know there's a millions of hunters out there that have this bad habit and that is technology with your phone yeah turn your phone off use your yep. eyes sit there don't stare at your phone because you those big bucks they, they you're going to get a glimpse at them and if you don't see that glimpse you that means you, you're going to lose the opportunity to maybe hit that that grunt call and then uh bring that turn that buck around or do a snort weave turn that buck around alex i know you're going to touch base on that on the next segment mm-hmm. but put your phone down turn it off spend 55 minutes looking and five minutes back on your phone, updating everybody. Hey, haven't seen nothing. <laughs> this this place sucks. You know, I mean, whatever. You, <laughs> you yeah, but, but you know, but here's the thing. And, and and Alex, you know, this probably better than than Wayne and either one. It's not very often that you see a complete deer, especially if you hunt like I do exactly. in the woods. You see a brown patch. You see a horn. You think, I didn't see that limb there a while ago, and then it moves, mm-hmm. and you go, Oh, that's deer antlers. Right. You hardly ever see the whole deer, unless you're hunting open fields or food plots or something. Uh, so, you know, you can't have the technology. You've got to keep those eyes peeled, and you've got to be looking, and you've got to sit still. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I can't tell you how many deer I've killed after just seeing one flip its tail right. or or just a little movement between two trees. You go, oh, wait a minute, that's too big for a squirrel. Now, I've also seen that happen and go, oh, that's too big for a squirrel, and then it was a squirrel. But... <laughs> <laughs> That's but but, those, but that's the thing you got to look for, Alex. You, you got to look for those pieces of deer, not whole deer. Or you could do like Alex does, and, and just tell your cameraman, "Hey, wake me if you see something." <laughs> yeah, you liar. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the deal: you ready? Since Wayne said that, Wayne hasn't filmed me in over two years. I know. The will. Yeah. All right, so folks, anyway, we're gonna go to a break, everybody. When we come back, we're gonna talk more about outsmarting mature bucks. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more American Roots Outdoors right after this. Hey, this is Eddie Salter, and you listen to American Roots and Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. Passed on down, planted deep in the ground around your heart. Wise Eye Technologies presents 
Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors, the fourth and final segment of the radio show. And we have had a great show, great information. We've touched on safety. We've touched on scouting, uh, using equipment to find mature bucks, how to find mature bucks, how to scout, how to identify scrapes, uh, understanding the different types of scrapes. We've talked about uh, access to your setups to harvest these bucks. What I want to touch on is you touched on something, uh, Redbone Wayne, with using topographical maps. There's technology out there now that you can download apps on your phone. And Wayne, the last thing that says stay off your phone. <laughs> but anyway, I'm touching, I'm not trying to sound contradictive, but the phone, you can download different types of apps that you can actually mark where every scrape you found with a uh, actual topographical three-dimensional type map, mm -hmm. which it gives you an overview of the area that you're hunting. And I just want to encourage everybody to know the area that you're hunting. Know where every creek is at, where every fence is at, where every big stand of white oaks, red oaks, uh, black jacks, post oaks are at, a pine thicket, a cedar thicket, bedding, etc. Know where all these things are. Every road is uh, the best way to get in and out from spooking your deer uh, that being said, these apps can also be productive in helping you close the deal on a mature buck. So that being said, what I want to talk about now, gentlemen, is one of my favorite things of whitetail hunting. You know what it is, red bone, white. Yeah, vocalization. Vocalization. Yeah, talking to the deer. Deer communicate year-round. They do. They're vocal year-round, believe it or not. And they do it with body language. Uh, they do it through uh, the vocal cords in their throat. Uh, it, it's really crazy. And what I want to do is just paint a picture, and I've done it many times. If you're a turkey hunter, uh, turkeys make different calls, just like we talk, to communicate with each other. Uh, a turkey knows when another turkey's upset when they do fighting purrs. Uh, they know when they're uh, nervous when they do a marm putt. Uh, a human, you know, when they're upset by raising their voice, uh, different things. Elaborate on that, Wayne. Well, yeah, just like you're saying, I mean, you can just read just from the tone of a voice, too. I mean, it's the same with the deer. You know, you listen to a tone, the, the speed of it, the, how slow it is, how fast it is, mm -hmm. how deep it is. It just tells you so much. And you got to know what you're hearing and then put that, you know, decode it is what I'm always using the phrase of, you know, you're going to decode what you're hearing and then use that to your advantage to respond back to them to draw them in. Exactly. Redbone? Yeah, well, I just agree with what Wayne said. I mean, you listen and hear those sounds, and you know if, uh, you know, you, you can tell uh, how loud that deer is, how soft he is. I mean, if he's just sneaking through the woods or if he's after uh, a doe, he's going to be a little louder. He's going to be more excited sounding. Uh, you just have to listen for the sounds and and. You know, then you know, decide what course of action to take to get him to stop or to make him come your direction. Exactly. What I want to share with everybody in this segment of the radio show is the right way to make contact with a deer. Let's say, example, we're sitting in a tree and you're hunting and it's November the 4th, okay? And or in a ground blind, you see a deer out there at 100 yards. The first call you want to make to that deer is not a huge, large, aggressive sound. You want to be passive, kind of like calling to a turkey. A turkey will cluck, 
just a soft pluck like that. So you want to do a soft grunt. And I'm doing it on the uh, WDC ARO deer call. It's real short and soft. It's saying, hey, look here, come here. So if I see that deer at 100 yards and I present this grunt to it, and the deer does not respond, I want to get a little louder. You hear the tone change? Yeah. So I've got a little louder. The deer raises its head. It looks at me in my direction. I don't have a decoy out or anything. And what I want to do is set up with a barrier where I blend in with my surroundings. And I want a barrier where that deer cannot get around me if I can set up like that. So if the deer looks, the deer puts its head back down. As soon as it starts putting its head back down, I'll hit it again with another grunt. And instantly, oh, that is another deer I heard. See, so what that deer just uh, took in is that I've made contact. This deer is really wanting to be social, so I'm going to check it out. Mm -hmm. That's what we just presented to a deer. So that works a lot of times. Well, Alex, you go out and you go, Yeah, Alex, here's a question for you for people that have not done this before. Now, why would they not want to, when that deer's looking at them, you know, blow it again so that deer knows where to go? Well, the thing is, the deer knows because it lives outside. You're in his bedroom, so to say, or his living room, and he knows the sound, vocalization, exactly where you're within 20 feet of where you're at. You can overcall, but also give up your location and get busted. There's a time to call and a time not to call. You always want to call to them when you catch them off guard, moving or not looking your direction. Yeah, Alex, one of the questions I have uh, concerning this particular subject and making contact, does it do any good to do that soft grunt when you haven't seen a deer? I mean, just do it blindly? I do that Mm -hmm. occasionally. Uh, But what I've done, and this I'm going to share this this is really what creates a lot of success. I spend 99% of my time scouting, 1% of my time hunting, usually. If I've had time, now that I've got the wise eye technology and hunt control, it's going to do all my scouting for me. So it's going to tell me the exact time I need to be in to that certain location where the deer I'm hunting is at. If I go into an area and say I've not used the wise-eye technology or any cameras and I'm just luck hunting, I may call sparingly like this. And if I don't hear nothing from the first grunt and I'm hunting the timber and it's calm, I might hit another grunt. If, the, if I'm hunting during the rut, a little more intensity in it. You heard it go from... to the, uh, so a little more aggression and vocalization, intensity, which intrigues the deer. Oh, that deer's a little more pleading. I better go check that out. So what it does, it creates curiosity amongst other deer in the area. Now, those, if they're not receptive, they're not in heat, they do not want to hear another buck grunt. So they do not want to be harassed. How many of you listeners out there has planted a beautiful, luscious food plot, and you see a bunch of does in there all fall along until the rut hits. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, your food plots, very few deer are hitting it anymore. You think, what's going on here? Well, the bucks 
started harassing the does, checking the does. So they tried to find another area that they could get away from these bucks until it's time for them to mate. Right. Now, how often would you want to repeat that blind calling? I know that's another question people are probably wondering. Well, it's the active sign. I never just go into a spot and set up and say, well, I'm just going to call from here. I've done it, but I'm not very productive. That's luck mm-hmm. hunting. There's a difference between luck hunting and creating success, being productive, using technology, using your scouting, using the information you've obtained, you're talking to other people, using a smart camera like the Wise Eye. I'm not assuming. I know that deer's going to be there. By glassing from a distance, watching these deer going into that area. Your trail camera is telling that deer's coming that area. I know they're going to be there within a certain time. If they're not, then I may call. I may call every 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show you a grunt right now that really intrigues bucks. It's like a locator call, and I call it a, a growl and a bark. And I've got audio. Wayne, you've been with me when we captured it. Oh, yeah. Seen it. And bucks will do this. It's like, come on. You know, they're pleading. And it sounds like this. It's like a bark. And bucks can hear that for a long way, especially if it's calm. And that's one of the calls that I've done. Reduced success this past Sunday with my great nephew Carter Pruitt. Well, that's fantastic. All right, so, Alex, we have come to the end of the uh, our time here uh, for today. And uh, Wayne, I know you want to invite people to the uh, podcast. What we're we going to cover on the podcast today, or the bonus segment? Well, we're we're going to continue on with some uh, uh, grunting techniques, and I know Alex is going to want to touch base on some rattling too. Uh, but uh, speaking of the podcast, uh, make sure you tune in to your favorite podcast carrier. Just uh, subscribe to our podcast. Make sure you leave us a review to be entered in the contest that we give away uh, free stuff almost weekly. And speaking of that, our winner this week is Nikki Ballou, um out of Missouri. She just won herself our new podcast uh, T-shirt uh, oh. for American Roots. And we're going to get uh, Alex to sign it, and we'll sign it, and we'll ship it on out. And, of course, also we want you to be sure and check out our website. Check out all the ARL apparel and some new things that we've got on the website, Wayne. And we got the grunt calls. we got the rattle bags. Everything you need to get out there and close that deal on that mature buck. All right, folks. Thank you all for joining us this week. By the way, AmericanRoots.com. That's right. All right, AmericanRoots.com. That's the <laughs> website. All right, thank you for joining us. We'll be back uh, with you again next week. And, again, don't forget to go over and check out the uh, bonus segment on the podcast. I'm Red Bull Mike Crace for Alex Rutledge and Wayne Locke. When your roots run deep and strong. There's no reason to fear the wind. So you never gotta worry what the wind might do. American Roots. Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. Wise Eye Technology presents American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge. This is Wayne Locke. I got Mike Grayson in the studio. Alex is at his home studio. And if you're listening to this, that means you're on our bonus segment. And we appreciate you guys tuning into our podcast. Make sure you leave us a review to become a winner of one of our drawings we do weekly. And again, Nikki Ballou, she from Missouri, she was the winner of this week's uh, contest and drawing. So, Alex. I know you got more to talk about with this uh, vocalization because you left us all hanging with some stuff. 
<laughs> hey, first of all, I want to congratulate Miss Nikki Ballou for winning the giveaway. And thanks for being a loyal listener to American Roots Outdoors. And we'll get that right over to you. Nikki and her husband, Mike, and her son, Trevor, are our new neighbors. They'll be moving down here soon, sometime full-time, and be a, a birch tree resident. So that being said, getting back to our subject matter of vocalization, does will grunt, does will bleat. Usually a does grunt. I've heard does grunt it sound like a buck before. Have it you, Wayne? Red bones? I can't say that I have, no. I'm gonna. I have. I'll say I'm gonna be with a uh, red bone on this one. I've not heard a doe grunt. Oh Ble- yeah, bleeding. I've got footage yeah. of it. I'll show it to you sometime. Cool. They usually, if they're aggressive to a fawn or something, and they're looking for that fawn, I've seen them trail their fawns up and look for them. Hmm. And I've also heard fawns trail their mamas up, bleeding, going. Through the woods. We've got audio of it and footage. So does will grunt, and I'm using the same call again, but it usually is quieter. And they do that kind of like as a contact call, just like, again, or human speaking, to communicate. Does will blow. Bucks will blow. Fawns will blow. Usually a fawn's blow is higher pitched than the other sounds made by the doe or buck. I have seen many does come in. I've touched on this many times. Does come into my location and blow at another deer because they didn't want to be harassed mm-hmm. by that buck. If this happens to you in a situation where a doe comes in and she blows at you, whew, whew, I have blown back to them and followed it up with a grunt or a bleat and created curiosity and brought the deer within bow range. As well, do you, yeah, do you think it was the, the fact that you uh, that you blew back at them or that you grunted back at them? I think it was both things was okay. the fact. Because you're thinking, I use reverse psychology on it. Why am I being scared if there's another deer over there close to what I think scared me? Right, and that's a good tip because a lot of guys, you know, hear a deer blow and they're like, oh, I'm screwed. My hunt's over. Yep. Going to go to the other 40. Right. <laughs> and again, I've got footage of me doing that and calling deer back within bone range. Wow. Now, still talking about blowing, uh, there's different types of blowing. Curiosity uh, blows are like, <laughs> how many times have you seen those listeners stop their feet, look over and go, Yeah, I you know, and I would agree, and, and yeah, yeah, and, and the thing I think is uh, sometimes Alex, when they're doing that, they're trying to get you to move. They're trying to identify exactly. what you are. They're trying to get you to move, or or you to make the next move, so they can figure out what you are. So uh, that's a pretty intense time when you're in the woods, especially if you know you looked over there a hundred yards. There's a buck over there, and there's a doe out in front of you, and she's blowing and stomping her feet at you. It it gets pretty intense. I'll never forget. And my mind reflects back to a, a buck that I rattled in in the 80s one time here in the Ozarks. And we're hunting off the ground. I think my nephew was with me, Shane. And uh, I'd done a rattling segment. We're hunting on an old logging road. This fingerling ridge runs way off down to the bottom. And the wind is hitting me right in the face. And uh, I, I do a grunt sequence. I do a lot of grunt walking, 
when I'm walking on private land. Do not do this on government land mm-hmm. or around other hunters. But as I'm walking, I will do tending grunts. Now think about this. You get into your area and it's right before light. You're going to your blind and say there's deer 200 yards out there and it's so calm they can hear you from 200 yards out and you're doing this. And that deer sat there in that one location watched you move from left to right. That's a moving deer. What you've done is just created curiosity to that bucket, maybe at 200 yards, thinking, man, I'm missing out on a party. I'm going to go over there. <laughs> so you're playing a mind game from point A to point B, left to right, right to left, to that deer that may be observing listening. So grunt walking to your location. So we's doing this, and we go to the spring of the ridge, we set up, the wind's hitting us in the face. And I do a grunting sequence, and I usually do it like this. I'll do the tending grunts like you just heard. Then I'll imitate two bucks stirring each other down. And I've done this, and you think, well, it's, this is crazy. I take my le- legs and the, the leaves, limbs, whatever, and make a, a lot of noise I can with my feet to make it sound like bucks are pawing at each other, whatever, bend, snort, sniff, wheeze. And that sound is made like this. You can do it with a, a call that's made by hunter specialties. It's called the Snort Sniff Wheeze. I endorsed it many years ago. But I'm doing it with my voice, and it sounds like this. He's exhaling air. He's inhaling, exhaling air, and he's saying, come on, big boy. I'm going to knock your liver loose. Let's get it on. <laughs> I know. At the same time you're doing this, Alex, are you going to try and do any rattling? Yes. So what I'm doing is painting a picture. Think about it now. We're going to go back to point A to point B. As I'm walking in, I've imitated a buck. It's tending a doe, and that deer is 200 yards out, and it's calm. He can hear all this. Then he hears all this ruffling sound, this snort, sniff, wheezing going on. Then he may hear this. That's another challenge sound. That's a growl and the roar and bark. Then I go into the rattling sequence. This is done with an ARO rattling bag. This is when they're aggressive, everybody, and they clash. And if you can use your legs and you're on the ground, breaking limbs and everything, as much noise as you can, the sound will be carrying further to attract deer from further distances. But as you're rallying, I want to encourage you to be looking at all times. Head moving around, looking for them to come. Alex, my question for you now, and we're about out of time here, uh, do you prefer to use a rattle bag? Do you like to use the rattling horns? Or you did, do you just shake your head? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> shake my head. <laughs> that wasn't funny. Yeah, yeah, it was. Actually, it, pretty, it was pretty good. Yeah, it was good, smart Alex. But anyway, rallying will work uh, anytime their horns are hard. Uh, pushing and shoving early part of the season. Um, going back, I know, to what we're talking about, you just... And I'm watching deer right now doing that. I watched them do it this evening. Hmm. 
Hmm. I wash deer every evening, every morning that I can before I go to work or after work. And there's some bucks that are doing it aggressive. They just torch the squeeze, the growling, the bark, the roar. When a deer fights and they're aggressive, they don't go constantly. Again, I've got footage of bucks fighting several times, and they'll do this. Clash. Grinding. Breathing. They're aggressive again. And grinding. And when they break, separate, then you hear them trot off. Yeah, I got footage of one buck, real quick, one buck that comes in, fights in front of me, whips the deer, chases him into a pond, and snort sniff wheezing out of the pond and walks him out of sight. Hmm. Yeah, real quick, I want to finish the story on the buck on the ridge, real quick. We're rallying there on that ridge and calling, and all of a sudden I hear a deer start blowing 200 yards, 100 yards down the ridge. It comes to us blowing the whole way. Come all the way to us in eyesight that I could see the deer 60, 70 yards. It was a mature buck. <laughs> so you can't say every snort, every blow is a dangerous sound. They will do that to scare you off. Folks, that's going to wrap our show up for today. I want to remind you all to go to our website and check out everything we have on our website, apparel, calls, everything that you need, www.americanrootsoutdoors.com. And our famous saying here at American Roots, Redbone, Wayne? When your roots run deep and strong, there's no reason to fear the wind.